to think of a person or people who you would want to be the most like, like the most. A person or people that you would like to be like the most. First that comes to your mind, share it with your neighbors. You have 30 seconds, share it with your neighbors. Come on, be honest. Share it with your neighbors. Okay, start yelling them out. Yell them out. Oh, uh-huh. She gave a good answer. Nobody? Ooh, Thor. We're going to see Thor this weekend. Um, so you guys are a little shy tonight, but my perfect person would be the mother of, uh, the mother, the heart of Mother Teresa, the body of Heidi Klum, the smarts of Steve Jobs, mm, the, uh, the voice of Kelly Clarkson, and as funny as Billy Crystal, he's probably a little old for a lot of you, would that not be a super person if I was all of that wrapped in one? Yes. My husband is Thor to me, just so you know. Um, maybe, <laughs> that's wife points. Maybe it's a really successful friend you wanna be like or a wealthy friend, or a woman who can cook and keep her house clean and homeschool her kids all before noon. Maybe that's who you'd like to be like. Because on the outside, all of these people, these celebrities, or this friend, or this person, they seem like they have it all together. I mean, according to Facebook, everybody's doing fabulous. I mean, they seem like they have it all together. They say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. We flatter these celebrities or other people by A, obsessing over their lives, by the clothes we wear. I mean, if Kim Kardashian, whatever name, wears a pair of Uggs, we gotta go get the Uggs or whatever they wear, whoever it is. By the lifestyles we choose. And more importantly, by the things we pursue. When we look up to people, we usually pursue the things they're pursuing. We're very good about judging the outside, the, uh, the things by their appearance, the external. Rarely do we dig into the inside, the internal part of people, the most important. Most of us imitate, want to imitate these famous people because, again, their life looks glamorous. They've got everything we don't have. But more often than not, the people that we want to follow or model or imitate, they're actually not the best role models. And the question is not if we imitate, because we are all going to imitate someone or something. It's what or who we're going to imitate. Tonight we're going to answer the question, what does it look like being imitators and followers of Christ and those who follow Christ? What does that look like? I want you to understand that who you imitate, who you imitate has eternal consequences. Who you imitate has eternal consequences. Many of us follow people other than Christ or those who are not imitating Christ because we're just looking at the external. Again, we're not looking at the internal. They appear great, they appear to have it all together, they appear glamorous, they appear to be great and fine, so that's who we look up to. But in Philippians 3 that we're gonna check out tonight, Paul, I mean, he lays it out. He is going to tell us who to follow, who to flee from, and what we should be focusing on as believers in Christ. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to 
make me. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Philippians 3, or your smartphone or whatever. Philippians 3, 17. Oh, it's up there. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now on the surface, this advice, Paul's advice, might sound kind of egotistical. You know, follow me, follow my example, look up to me. But we've got to remember that Paul was a leader of this church and God had placed him at this time to lead this church and the followers, the, the believers, so they could follow Christ. There are still many ways that this church was spiritual babies. And just like babies and toddlers, they imitate or follow their parents. That's what Paul was there for the, the church of Philippians. So that they, he was their spiritual parent. So that they would be able to follow his example as they were on their journey with Christ. Paul was saying to these Christians, you want to know Jesus? You want to know Christ? Follow me and I will point you to him through my lifestyle. Through the way that I live my life. This word model means pattern. In the Greek, it means mimic. Do as I do, think as I think. Now, how many of you, when you think mimic, I thought of the, the copycat game. My kids do it all the time, irritating. I wanna watch TV, I wanna watch TV. Let's play games, let's play games. Stop copying me, stop copying me. You're annoying me, you're annoying me. Lawson loves doing that. I mean, he just loves irritating Lakin by copying everything she says. Yeah, Paul's not talking about that kind of mimicking, that kind of copy. He's not asking us to be robots so that we're all exactly the same. He's saying to imitate him or follow him in his ideals or pursuits. Well, what are those? Well, Jack talked about them last Sunday. He said in verse seven, whatever you have count as a loss in order to gain Christ Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That was what Paul's ideals and pursuits were. Is that your ambition? Is that your pursuit of your life, in your life? In verse 17, Paul says, keep your eyes, observe, watch carefully. Look for the examples. Look around and find people who are following Christ by observing how they live, not just how they talk. When Brian and, I, Brian and I came to Pantano eight years ago, and we had just come out of kind of really yucky church situation. I was distrustful, especially of lead pastors. I was wary. Um, I wasn't actually a fan of going to church. And the pastor at the time here was Tim Coop. And, you know, this is a really big church. 
And a lot of times what I have seen, and remember I was kind of a new Christian at the time, you know, the pastors can say one thing up here, but their life is a little different. So over the years, I watched Pastor Tim. I got to know his wife. I became friends with his daughter. And I watched to see if his life at church matched up to his life at home. And it did. If you know him, and he's this probably over six feet, he's got this big wingspan. I mean, there's 3,000 people in this church. But when you stand in front of Pastor Tim, he makes you feel like you're the most important person in this world. And that he's got nothing better to do than to listen to what you have to say. In fact, he actually makes you feel that his whole day is made because you are standing in front of him. That's what he does. In fact, one time he said from the stage, he said, I never want somebody to come and stand before me and not feel loved and important. And you guys, Pastor Tim is like that. He changed my mind about what lead pastors look like. He changed my mind that if you follow and love Jesus well, you can love others well. Pastor Tim set an example to me. I didn't make that. It was years getting to know him. When they asked Brian to come on staff here, I was just like, what? But because I trusted Pastor Tim, because I observed him and watched him, I trusted him with my husband. Who comes to mind that you look up to? Who are you imitating because you clearly see that they are following Jesus? Who in this church is putting your name in that blank? I look up to blank because they follow Jesus well. Why is this really a big deal, who we imitate or who we follow? Well, Paul, in the verses, he gave us two reasons why who we follow or imitate has eternal consequences. In, let's look at verse 18 and 19 again. For as I've told you, before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. First off, I want to bring attention that Paul says with tears in my eyes. He's crying. Why? It's important to understand the emotional and spiritual issues that were going on that brought tears to his eyes. I mean, he's in prison, and he's crying because as he's writing this letter, believers' hearts should break when people don't choose Jesus. When the pursuit of material things and the stuff of this world and a religion rather than a relationship is more important, that's their primary goal in life, believers' hearts should break. Paul says there are many enemies of the cross, and this made him sad. When Brian and I uh, got married, we went to, on our honeymoon to Canada. Woohoo! it was awesome. One of the, we were eating dinner, and they said we had to go try out this new place. It was the hot spot of Canada. Everybody was going. It was this big antebellum house that they had redone, and, and it was a bar, but they had all different kinds of rooms, and the, remember, it was like 15 years ago. The floor lit up, and it was like the place to be. So Brian and I are thinking, I mean, I've got a new outfit. It's cute. We're going to go. So we go to the bar. We spend $10 a piece to get in. You know, we don't have a lot of money. 
And we love dancing. We're going to go and dance and have a great time. I, you know, we don't know any of these people. They don't know us. It'll be great. We're in a different country. So we go to this bar, and we're on this, the floor, and Brian starts dancing. We start dancing, and um, I can't focus on him. I can't focus on the dancing. I, and Brian's like, what are you doing, Kimberly? What's wrong with you? And I was like, this, I'm uncomfortable. He's like, why? He, you don't even know these people. I could not stop focusing on what was going around me. There was so much going on around me that was breaking my heart. Not because I was judging them. I'd just gotten out of that world. I was a brand new Christian and had just spent the last six years of my life in a bar. I wasn't judging. I was heartbroken. I knew what that girl was doing when she was going home with that guy. And I knew what that guy was doing when he was giving that bartender who, all his money. And I could not stop looking at all the sin and the destruction that was going on. And Brian said, Kimberly, just focus on me. We're dancing. Woohoo! Shares on. Let's dance. I was like, honey. <laughs> so sad. I was like, honey, I can't. Look at what's going on. He's like, Kimberly, you don't even know these people. I said, I know. But the sin in their life and the lies they're listening to will be their destruction, honey. I, gotta, I have to go. This is not fun for me. And he's like, we paid 20 bucks to get in. I was like, I know. This is not fun for me. I have to go. As Christians, our heart should break with that kind of sin. We shouldn't look past it. We shouldn't look through it. We should definitely not act like it doesn't matter. We should not glare at them in condemnation and judgment. Mm-hmm, those people. I just know what's going to happen to them. That's dumb choices. <laughs> it sucks to be her. Should that, uh, Jesus didn't act like that. It should break our heart when people are choosing to be enemies of the cross or sinners. Element City Church, show me a church where there's love and not apathy, where there's love and there's not condemnation, and I will show you a church that will have a power and a voice in this city. That kind of love is attractive. That's why Paul was crying, because many of people live as enemies of the cross, and sin is heartbreaking. Paul's not talking, you, who, enemies of the cross, who's he talking about? He's not talking about people who have a difference of opinions. He's not referring to people who didn't like the things he did. You know, guitars on stage, not guitars on stage. Communion every week, or every Sunday, not communion. Those are non-essentials. No, Paul was referring to the people who were infiltrating the church with a false gospel. He was referring to the Judaizers, and Jack talked about this a little bit last week, that who made the cross about a set of rules, boxes to be checked, but not about a relationship. Externally, they looked good. They were moral people. They, had, they tried to keep all the rules. I think they had purple robes. But in reality, they were in a religion, not in a relationship. Let me say that again. They were in a religion, not in a relationship with Jesus. Paul spent a good time actively opposing the wolves in sheep's clothing because they were guilty of watering down the gospel and leading folks astray. Paul's also talking about people who may be sitting in church, who profess the name of Christ, 
who do all, they have all some of the little boxes checked, but yet in reality, they're enemies of the cross because of who they're following, and they're not following Jesus. To paraphrase Pastor Glenn Barteau, he's the pastor up at Cassis, the center of our faith is not our morality, although that's a good thing. It's not the things we accomplish, the trophies or the money we collect. It's not all the spiritual things we do or the rituals we take part in. Unlike any other religion, the core of our faith is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says many live as enemies of the cross. Many live as enemies of the cross. In verse 19, Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now he's given us the reasons why we should flee from the enemies of the cross. And the first one is, their destiny, their end game is destruction. He's not talking just about God is their stomach. He's not just talking about food and gluttony, but of our appetites of feeding our own flesh, feeding our own cravings, feeding our own desires putting anything other than Christ first in our lives. That's what he's talking about. The God is is their stomach. What is it for you? What do you crave more than Jesus? The second reason why we should flee from enemies of the cross. They glory in their shame. Many people are caught in their sin and they just don't care. Many of us see people caught in sin and we just don't care. We're ambivalent, apathetic, or judgmental. Some of us brag about our sin or we justify it so we don't feel bad. Ooh, I love justifying. Sometimes if you need help justifying, I will help you. So we don't feel bad. We help other people so we don't really want them to feel bad because gosh forbid somebody feel bad. We glorify people like the celebrities or the athletes whose lives are a wreck. And in fact, their lives are contrary to everything the cross stands for. And yet we glorify them. Reason three, they're consumed by things of this world. Their minds are set on earthly things. Elements, it's hard to be imitator or follow of Christ when our mind is set on the here and now and not on the end result, our eternal heaven with treasures in heaven with Jesus. In Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's, he's saying, don't let your mind get stuck here. This is not your end game. I've got something much bigger for you. Who you imitate has eternal consequences. In the next verses, Paul gives us the other side, the contrast. He gave us who to follow. He told us why we should flee from enemies of the cross. And now he's going to give us what to focus on as believers in Christ. He reminds us of the promises and the hopes of Jesus. In verse 20, I love these verses, by the way, verse 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we 
eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. What's he saying there? In the first part, he's saying, we are citizens of heaven. I love this picture. He's saying, we don't belong to this world. Our, our passport, this is not our last stop. We have a bit better place to be. We belong to heaven, to God and his kingdom. This world is not our home. Let's not act like we're getting cozy and sitting in and ever, ever comfortable, filling it with all this stuff that God says, what are you doing? The second thing he says, awaiting a savior. If we are a follower of Christ, we are awaiting our savior. We know he's coming back. Await, to eagerly wait means to let your heart grow in desire for Christ's return. No matter what we face here on earth, we are not forgotten. The early church, they lived with this enduring hope because they knew Jesus was coming back. It filled them with the grace enough to push back their appetites of their flesh, push back their appetites of craving for greed and hate and sexual sins and temptation and pride, fill in the blank because our savior is coming back for us. Like that's really good news, you guys. The third hope promise is Jesus will transform our bodies. The disease, the sick, the corrupt, the broken, the earthly. I know some of you guys in your 20s and you're just like, what, my body is great. <laughs> but if you know somebody who's died of cancer, or of heart attacks, or you wake up and you can barely get out of bed because of your rheumatoid arthritis. This, this shell, this body is temporary. Because Jesus Christ became a man and died the death you and I should have died, we get new bodies. We get to live in heaven. Like that's great news, that's our hope. The next verse, and this, this verse is one of my favorites. And we can have confidence in the power of Jesus Christ. The same God who causes every knee to bow, every tongue to confess, the same God who parted the seas and can move mountains, the same God who defeated the grave, the same God gave us these promises gave us this hope. You guys, this is our hope and this is our future. As followers of Christ, he promises all these things. We are citizens in heaven. We've got a home to go to. We're waiting a savior no matter what happens here and now. Jesus is coming back. And we get to trans and he, Jesus will transform our bodies. I'm going to wear a bikini in heaven. I've told you guys that. He said that's fine. Who you follow has eternal consequences because this is not our stopping point. In Philippians, Paul tells us who to follow. We are to follow the example of Christians like Paul who are following the example that Jesus Christ did. And this is the key elements. So that what we do and say 
would so closely resemble the actions of Jesus that we would actually draw people to him. Let me say that again, that how we live our life and the words that come out of our mouth and how we love others so resembles Jesus that we draw people to him. People say, what do you have? Because I want some of that. It's because we reflect, we reflect your Jesus well. May we live such a life that we too could say, join. Join with others in following my example. Let's go. Let's claim this world for Jesus. Paul gave us the reasons why we need to flee from the enemies of the cross. Why? The end, their end is destruction. They're not broken about sin. They don't care what she's doing at the bars. They don't care what he's doing at the computer. They don't want to be involved in people's lives. Sin does not make them cry. Their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on the here and now, collecting all the trophies and stuff this world has to offer. This world is not our home. And finally, Paul gave us what we followers of Christ should be focused on, the hope of Jesus. We have a home waiting for us. We've got a savior that's coming back for us and he is gonna transform our bodies. Again, I think I need a little amen there. That is great news. It is the hope of Jesus. We are never the victims of crazy governments. We are never the victims of recessions or bad economies. We don't have to remain victims of our past or our circumstances or our sin because we are the prize of Christ. He's coming back. He has a home for us. Friends, put your hope in this citizenship and not your earthly circumstances. Live with eager anticipation. Grow your heart in the desire to know that you're gonna come face to face with your Savior one day as a follower of Christ. Don't be content with what this world has to offer. This is nothing here. He's got a whole party plan for us up there. I love parties. In verse four, one, therefore my brothers and sisters, you who I love, he, Paul is saying he loves this church of Philippians. He's calling them brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. So some of you are saying, well maybe he didn't mean it exactly like that. Maybe he doesn't mean the whole their glory is in their shame. Maybe he doesn't really mean that. Stand firm in the Lord in this way. He means it like that. Who are you to follow? Jesus Christ and people who are imitating Jesus Christ. Who are you to flee from? The enemies of the cross. That doesn't mean you walk into somebody like, use the enemy, get away from me. It means don't imitate them. Don't follow them. Don't pursue their ideals and their, their goals in life. We, we've got this whole book that tells us all about our ideals and pursuits. I mean, the, the Church of um, Philippians, they didn't even have this. And what you should focus on, focus on the hope of Jesus. 
Right now you might be sitting here thinking, I want to follow Jesus. I want that hope. I want that eternal home in heaven. I want that future he promises all his believers in the verses that you just read, Kimberly. I urge you to talk to somebody. Jack, Brian, I'm up here. Somebody and say, I want to follow Jesus as best as I know how. Because he's our hope. He's our future. The challenge for the week, examine the who. Examine the who in your life. There's a who. Who are you following? Who are you imitating? If you look at your lifestyle, what's it look like? Does it look like an example to others? Does it look like you have a hope in Jesus? Does it look like you have an eternal father, a father who's got an eternal home waiting for you so you don't need to be collecting and, and all the stuff this world has to offer? And ask the why. Why am I following certain people? Maybe it's a good thing. But observe, like I talked to the pastor, about Pastor Tim, observe closely that they're not just talking the talk that their lives reflect Jesus. Do you need to observe some people in your life a little closer? Maybe the question is, whom in this room do you need to invest in? Who you follow has eternal consequences. This is, Paul's not just giving you some good ideas. He's not just saying, if you have time, maybe you should get to this. He's not saying, if football's not on, you should get to this. Or if you can find time in your busy work day, you should get to this. He's saying, many are enemies of the cross. Who are you going to follow? Believers in Christ, followers of Christ, our hope is in Jesus. That's great news. Our hope is in Jesus. As we take communion, and the communion stations are around the, the room, they're on either side of the room, when you, when you go before God, because communion, it represents, it's not just a little juice and a little wafer. It represents something more than that. It represents the body of Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. The juice, it represents the blood that was shed on the cross for you and me, for all of us. So when you go to the throne, when, you're, when you come up and you take the juice and you take the bread and the body of Christ, remember what that stands for. And remember that our hope is in Jesus. And to me, that's great news. And ask the who and the why. Dearly Father, search our hearts. Search our hearts so that, that we will come before you and be honest, Lord, that we will desire to have the eternal home that you set up for us, that we will want to imitate and follow people that are following you well, Lord, that are reflecting you well. Lord, you are so awesome and you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross and lord that's great news but the story doesn't end there you've got a home for us 
You've got eternal life for us. And Lord, I just thank you so much. May this week, may our lives represent that we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen.